Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our local church body. It's good to have you here this morning. My name is Tim. This is Alex. Hi. <laughs> and we have um, some announcements for you. Um, first of all, remember that our church here, Washera Community Church, is a gathered group of Christians who exist to give uh, creative and meaningful, meaningful worship to God and to, to discover and develop disciples for Him. We strive to love God and others fervently. Three announcements this morning. First one, please make sure you register children and grandchildren and all kinds of children for VBS, okay? Uh, there is a sign-up out in the foyer out there, so make sure you do that. That's going to be a ton of fun. Secondly, Pavilion Praise is coming up on July 30th. Be aware of that. Um, that will obviously be in the pavilion. And third, we encourage you to uh, make sure to watch Pastor Adam's updates, um, the update video on the lobby project that was sent out this week, okay, um, through the newsletter or on Facebook. There's a bunch of information in there. Um, you might be wondering what the tape is on the carpet out there and all that. Um, please watch that. Um, Pastor Adam explains that for us. We have a scripture reading this morning. I would encourage you to stand with me as we read the word of God this morning. Mark 12, 38 through 44. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity for all of us to be here, to worship you, to give you praise, to learn more about you, and to encourage each other and... Um, just meet each other and greet each other. Lord, I pray that no one leaves here this morning without having made a connection with someone else, um, especially visitors and those who are new. Lord, I pray that um, our church body here would um, wrap arms around them and care for them. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. I pray that it would be precious to you and it would encourage all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. I do need to remind you that next Sunday, next Sunday after the service, after the service, we have a vote. And the vote is simply, um, should we allocate up to $30,000 for a lobby rehab? And as was said this morning, thank you, Tim, um, was said this morning, I put out a video that kind of helped understand the whole process and everything that was a part of that. I haven't put it on Facebook yet, but we can do that. We can do that. But if you want to see that, um, and I really encourage you to be a part of the email system that we have here at the church. Every week, 
almost every week we have th things going out that keep you abreast of, of what's happening here at the church. And so I encourage you to listen to that and understand the reason behind it and to realize it's, uh, it's, it's whatever, when we do this and we bring it before the congregation, it's, um, the Constitution says um, that it's the members present and voting. A two-third vote needs to make it, ratify it. And so whatever way the vote goes is the way the vote goes, because we've asked the congregation to weigh in on this decision, and, there's, and that's it, okay? So I thank you for being a part of that process. One more thing before I get started, because I said I would do this, VBS. <laughs> VBS is starting on July 31st, and Chris is still looking for a few more people that would volunteer during that week, and specifically what you would be doing is you're just walking with the children. You're walking with the children from station to station. You're help getting them from one place to the other. So it's not a big teaching thing or anything like that. It's just being uh, chaperones of the children that are here. And of course, the more chaperones, these people that help get children from one place to another, I mean, the more children we can, we can handle. And so they've been praying that we have a hundred or more every day here in this building on that week. So if you have the time and it's kind of tugging at your heart, um, see Chris Schaefer afterwards and say, hey, I'll be a, I'll walk with the children. I'll be one of those. And so she'll be able to give you more information. Okay, let's go to our scripture this morning. We are back in Mark chapter 12 and uh, verses 38 through 48, uh-oh, somebody's going to have to flip it for me, thank you. We're in Mark chapter 12, 38 through 48. Uh, our focus, has been said, is humble service and generous lifestyle, and so we're looking at how Jesus um, was, was making disciples, because we are to make disciples. And, and, and our mantra is, is that we need to be disciples, be able to make disciples. And so humble service and generous lifestyle, he, he spends a lot of time on this with his disciples. And the reason he does is because they he's trying to change them from going the way their culture is going and give them a whole new culture, a whole no, new system. The world system said this. He's saying, but I want you to do this. This is how I want you to live. And so it, it's very relevant to today because our world system goes one way. And as we read the scriptures, God's system many times goes a whole nother way, a different way that he wants us to live in this world that we're in. And so I titled this one, Beware and Be Aware. Now, that's, it, it's funny how you just take one little letter and then put a little space in between. And it, it makes it wholly, totally different. Beware. And then, but then be aware. Be aware of something. So as we lead into this, previously, this is what's happening when we look at this passage of Scripture. Previously, Jesus has come into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey. We typically call this Palm Sunday. This is the triumphal entry when he comes into Jerusalem. They're waving the palm branches. They're saying, Hosanna. And, and, and there's a lot of disruption over this happening. He goes into the temple and he clears out the temple. 
there's un, un there's there's things happening in the temple that are shouldn't be happening there. It's taking advantage of others, and so he cleanses out the temple. Now, in the background of this, in the background of this, we know now, we know now that Jesus is the Passover lamb. He is the Passover lamb coming into Jerusalem. But them at that time, it was the time of Passover. What you would do is you would bring a lamb into your household on the 10th day of Nisan. You would bring a lamb into your household. And for the next four days, you would watch the lamb. You would watch the lamb. You would test the lamb. You would see if this lamb was worthy of this sacrifice. Okay, that's what you would do. And then it would be, it would be the meal for the Passover meal. Well, now we know. Now on our side of it, Jesus is the Passover lamb. He's coming into Jerusalem, into the home. And for the next four days, he gets tested. They ask all different kinds of groups, ask him questions and test him on this. And so I just gave you some examples here in chapter 11, verse 18. It says the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. They feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. They were upset because Jesus had cleansed the temple. The question was, whose authority are you doing this kind of thing? So they're testing him. If we go down to verse 27, they arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. And again, they're going to ask him another question. They're going to test this lamb. They're going to test him. If we go to chapter 12, verse 13, 12, verse 13, later they sent some Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. So they're testing him again. In verse 18, then the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, came to him with a question, with a question. They're questioning him again. They're testing this lamb. They're testing this lamb. Then if we go to verse 28, chapter 12, verse 28, we see one of the teachers of the law came, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. He asked him, he asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important. Ask him another question. And then in verse 37 of chapter 12, the second half of the verse, we get to see how many people are involved in these conversations. The last part of the verse says, the large crowd listened to him. So it's not just these individuals that are coming up to, there's a whole crowd that is also listening to everything that Jesus is saying, everything of how he was responding in these situations. The large crowd listened to him, and I like the last two words, with delight. So what they're hearing, it, it's resonating with them, what they're hearing. So if we go to the next slide, there are these groups that are given there. And these groups um, make up this group that's called the Sanhedrin. Sometimes we call it different names, that, but it's the 70 plus one of the religious council that's there. And so here are some of those names I just read off. The Sadducees were usually the religious leaders that were very wealthy. They were the ones that actually were running the marketplace in the temple. And they were the ones upset because they would get a cut off of the marketplace, okay? They were, would be called religious liberals probably in that day where there were a lot of things they didn't believe. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible. If it wasn't there, they didn't believe it kind of thing. 
The Pharisees were the religious conservatives. They, they followed the law, but they not only followed the law, but they made laws on the laws. So you not only had to follow the laws, but you had to follow the laws that they had made up for the laws. Okay. Then there's the Herodians. The Herodians would be the politically religious. The politically religious, they basically, which way is the wind blowing? Okay, whatever way is the wind blowing, that's the way we're going, kind of thing. That's that's describes them. The scribes were a part of the Pharisees. They were the experts of the law and the experts of the law of the law. <laughs> and many times the writers of the law of the law, kind of thing. Those are the scribes. The priests is a general term about those who would tend to the temple activities. That were anything that was happening in the temple, they would tend to that. And then the rabbis. The rabbis were the formal classroom teachers, the one that would sit down and have the disciples around them and teach them. Okay, So that's the grouping. That's all of those that are in that grouping. When we come to this verse, in verse 38, we can give the next slide there, and it says, as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. And then he's going to give you six things here. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished severely. He starts that off by saying beware, meaning to see. This is something you're going to be able to see with your bodily eye with your bodily eye, you're going to be able to see this and be able to discern that, wait a minute, this is something that Jesus is talking about. This is something he's talking about. So he gave those six things, flowing robes. So they had these long robes, and the, and the longer the robe and the longer the tassels on the end of the robe, it was a signification that what they were doing was because of what I am wearing, I am holy. Their religious, their religious credibility was attached to what they were wearing, what they were wearing. Their greetings, I put required initials, recognized. They were looking for people to in the marketplace to greet them as holy people. It was almost like a requirement. Don't you know who I am? A little bow, a little, you know, recognition of me because I'm wearing these flowing robes. And I have these initials behind my name. That's today's language. Initials behind it. Number three, most important seats in the house. Most important seats in the synagogue. I don't know if you've ever been to a church that has the big chairs. Anybody been to a church that has big chairs? Three, usually three big chairs set on the platform up here. And only certain people get to sit in the chairs. And I've been in churches where one of the chairs is called the bishop chair. And nobody sits in that chair unless the bishop comes. And only the bishop sits in that chair. Why are the chairs there? Well, sometimes it could be for logistical reasons, and the person is up on the platform, and they could easily move back and forth kind of thing. But he says, beware if it is ever, beware if it's ever in, in such a state that, oh, they're tying some type of holiness to where they're sitting in the sanctuary where they're sitting in the sanctuary. Number four, places of honor. Uh, places of honor at the banquet. You've went to wedding. You've went to wedding ceremonies, to the wedding reception. 
And sometimes you have to look at the table and you have to see where your name is. That's where you sit down. Or they have a board and it, you go to the board and it tells you where you sit down. Well, these, these guys are going right up to the head table. And they're saying to the bride and groom, yeah, I know it's your day, but um, we're sitting here. We're getting our food first, kind of thing. They devour widows' houses. That means they actually eat them. What does that mean by that? It means here's a widow. She's without her husband. She needs help. So these men step in and say, we'll help you. Just sign everything over to us. And instead of helping the widow, they actually, she's in worse shape than she was before. And then while they're praying on the vulnerable, they're praying. They, they give lengthy prayers. Probably praying for the widows. Oh, Lord, please help these poor widows that we're putting in the poorhouse. Don't worry about that. You know. Now he's saying, beware with your bodily eye. When you see someone doing some of these things this way, now, I, I, next slide. I have to take this per very personal. This is a very personal passage to me over all the years that I've pastored because um, I'm the one you see. I'm a religious leader. I stand in front of you. You're able to watch me a lot. <laughs> I just realized I've made 35 videos for the church with my mug on it. You know, kind of, yeah, you watch me a lot. It, it, it does dictate what I wear. What I wear. Do I, do I wear something um, for in any way, shape, or form for people to think I am more holy than them? Or in our society today, do I wear something that makes me look hip, like I'm with it, kind of thing? Yeah, we all know that's not right. But, but no, the connection of what I wear to holiness, what people call me. Yeah, what do we call you? Yeah, and I understand the whole concept of people teaching their children about respect of elders and respect of positions and things like that. And so sometimes, you know, children will, their parents will teach their children, call him pastor, because that's he's got a special role in the church and things. I understand that, but should I require it? You must call me pastor. You must call me by these initials that I have at the end of my name, kind of thing. Where I sit, I don't sit in those chairs. Why? I'm no different than you. Where do I sit? I sit with you. I raise my hands with you. I sing with you. Why? Because we, we're the body of Christ together. When I eat, you do this all the time. We'll have a potluck. Oh, pastor, go first, go first. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't go first. Why? Because food is just a thing. There's a whole bunch of people there. And you realize that if I don't eat first, if I eat first, if I go through the line first, and then I have to sit down. And I sit down, and there's about three or four people that maybe sit beside me. I'm not sure. Maybe sit beside me. But if I don't eat, what do I have time to do? Yeah, I touch base with I don't know how many people kind of thing. Yeah, yeah food will be at the end. Who's just the thing? It'll be there. And maybe if it's not there, it's for my, yeah, it's probably for my benefit. It's not there. What I do, what I do, that I'm, I'm here to serve 
our Savior. And so may it never be that I would ever do something for somebody else looking for a kickback, looking for what I would get out of it kind of thing. And who I preach to. You know, they were doing these lengthy prayers trying to make it sound like they're above everybody else. When every time I preach, I preach to myself. And I preach to all of us. I, I don't look at this book and say, you know, I've read the whole thing over and over again, and I've got it. And actually, I'm just reading it for your benefit. You know, I don't, I don't really need any of this stuff anymore. No, I'm beyond that. No. <laughs> no, when we go through passages of the Bible to realize that, wait a minute, we are learning this together. We are walking through this together. We are experiencing life together as we grow in Christ. Not just you. Me too. Me too. So very, very personal scripture that I have had to live out my, my whole life. And thankful that it's there. Very thankful that it's there. That it gives these safeguards. So that I, as soon as I start to get a little selfish about something. You know, for God to throw that scripture passage. No, no, that's not. That's the world system. Adam, you're to be selfless. So let's go to the next slide there. So then in verse 41, well, the last part of that was such men will be punished severely. Ooh, yeah. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's saying to his disciples, you watch for this. You watch for this. Beware. Watch but I will take care of it. I will take care of it, says the Lord. Okay, verse 41 now. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. We'll stop right there. They threw in large amounts. So Jesus is setting down. We knew that when he sets down, that's a position of authority that he's, gonna, he's, he's in a position to teach now, actually. He's in the courtyard of the women in the temple, there's different courtyards, and this is the courtyard of the women where the receptacles were for the offerings to be taken. Jesus, we'll see here, is using his eyes and his ears. His eyes that he's watching this happening, but also that because he says that rich people are putting in large amounts, you would be able to also hear this. So they have coinage. It's all coins. And they have these receptacles that were kind of like trumpet-shaped at the, at the top to receive it. And they, those were metal. And so when you put a, a large amount of coins into that receptacle, it would you would hear it. So now our ears are engaged that even if you were anywhere in the temple and someone threw a large amount of coins into that, you would hear the sound of that. It might draw your attention that way kind of thing. And there would be a priest on duty, and the priest on duty would check, your, would check your offering because it needs to be in the temple coin. If it's not in the temple coin, then you need to go back and get it exchanged for the temple coin. That's where they were getting into some trouble because they were doing exorbitant uh, exchange rates. But he would check your coins to make sure they were the right type of coins, and then he would direct you, almost like designated giving, to the different receptacles that are there. So the priest is on duty. Now, let me give next slide here. There's um, some opposites that we see here. The first one, opposite persons. He says there's the rich and the poor. The rich and the poor. And you'll notice there that he does not discourage the rich giving. 
He doesn't say, oh, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't put those large amounts in. He doesn't say that. No, he just makes it a matter of a fact that the rich people are giving in large amounts. And, and it, the more you receive from God, the more you should give. The more you receive from God, the more you should give. That's that you've received so much from him. Turn it around. Give it right back. Give it back. The next thing, opposite amounts, large amounts and two small coins. Large amounts and two small coins. And then the, the third one, the opposite sounds. The opposite sounds. So when one of them puts it in, large amount. The other one puts it in, tink, tink. Tink, tink. And so if you were in the temple area and that person went up there and put in, tink, tink. Lots of times you would not have heard that. There's a whole bunch of people milling around and they're all talking and everything else and, and they don't have sound tiles up to help with the sound barrier. No, I'm sorry. They all have it. And so you, you, would have to have, you would have to have your eyes engaged. Be aware. Be aware if someone was doing that. If thinking, And that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is watching very intently and he sees this poor widow and she goes up to it. Ting, ting. And then we get to the next verse. Calling, uh, is, uh, verse 44, they all gave, what, no, verse 43, sorry. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. And I'll stop right there. His disciples are going, is this the new math? Is this new math? Is this what this is? Wait a minute. What are you saying, Jesus? You're saying that ting ting, the ting ting, the ting ting is more than all of the, not just one of the, but all of the. He says, ting ting is more? And so he has to explain it because it's new math. Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything. Before I read the last verse there, the last phrase there, here's the sovereignty of God. He knows. He knows this widow. He knows her state. He knows everything about her. He's giving you information from the sovereign, put in everything, all that she had to live on. All she had to live on. When he says, I tell you the truth, uh oh, that's cue for them, for the disciples to go. He's, a major teaching is coming here. And, and he's making just the, just the point that the wealthy gave a contribution. So when the wealthy made the contribution, they still had something to live on. They still had surplus. They still had their 401k. The refrigerator was still full. They had still had stuff to draw upon. But the woman, the widow, gave a sacrifice. Tink, tink. No 401k. No refrigerator full. No. All she had to go on was a faith that God would provide her next meal. And, and what Jesus is doing, he's saying, beware of the spiritual leaders who do these things, these six things. Beware of them. But be aware of those in your midst who have great 
faith. That's the one that has great faith. See, in their day, they would have looked at the flowing robes and they would have looked at the people that were giving large amounts and they would have, you know, oh, they are blessed. Woo, wow. And, you know, I was going to make a crack about casinos. I've never been to a casino, but in a casino, they have those slot machines and they pull the lever. And when they pull the lever, all those, and, and then if they all line up, it, 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 ding, 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 jackpot and bells and whistles blow and everything else. And everybody's, and even if you're not near it, you're going, somebody got lucky. Yeah. That's where the focal point is in our world today. And Jesus says, oh, I want you to live differently. I want you to be aware of those who really have faith. And it's this poor widow who just put in tink, tink into the, um, okay, so I throw a joke in here. I, sometimes I have to tell you that so you'll laugh. Um, so the pig and the chicken went into business together. And the pig said to the chicken, what, 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 what are we going to, what's our business? And the chicken said, bacon and eggs. And the pig said, whoa, wait a minute here. Yours is a contribution. Mine's a sacrifice. It took a little bit. It was, it was a little slow. Again, Jesus, what Jesus is doing, he's making a big difference between the world system and God's system. The world system is, God's system is tink, tink. And if you kind of add this to what we talked about last week, the world system is get to the front of the line. That's where you want to be. The food's hot and you want to be at the front of the line. And Jesus says, no, those that are great in my system are at the back of the line. And not only are they at the back of the line, but they're already, already served and they're serving people while they're at the back of the line. That's how different God's system is than the world's system. So let me end it. I, I think I've got one more slide here, don't I? Yep. Now, this is, con, I'm, I'm, this is my thoughts, okay, on this first one. How should the priest of du on duty responded? So the priest is on duty, and the widow comes up to him, and he has to check her coinage to make sure it's the right coins. And um, then he would have directed her where to go kind of thing. How should he have responded? This is me. What he should have done, what he should have done was he should have known that she was a widow, and he should have asked her, is this all you have? And when she honestly would say back to him, yeah, he should have said, you wait right here. And he should have went over to the temple, to the, to the trumpet thing, grabbed a whole bunch, brought it over and gave it to her. Here, God has provided. That's what he should have done. And I, I, I fear that many times we don't do that. <laughs> We're aware of something we don't know, realize that God has already provided what's needed. Did the disciples get it? I want to say yes, they did get this. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and following, there's a time when the widows are in need and the apostles stop everything and they help the congregation um, set up a system and everything so that the widows would not be in need. They knew that that was important, and they, they got it. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is also now the leader in Jerusalem, 
when he writes his, his letter, this famous verse in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. So now he's going to give you the definition of it. He's going to get, and there's two parts to it, two parts, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. He says, okay, there's, part, there's one part of it, that we serve those that God puts around us that need to be served. That's part of it. But the second part, and to keep oneself being polluted by the world. That we're doing this in His name. We are doing it as holy followers of God. That we serve those that God has put around us. That we are aware that all they have is tink tink. Tink tink. The world's view, and now, the world's view of salvation is tied to the outside. That's what you see in the six things. All those, uh, their, their goodness, that I'm a good person, is all tied to outside things. Some churches will put plaques on things, and they'll put the person's name. If you go into a hospital, and you go into the lobby, and they've done a rehab in the lobby kind of thing, what do they have on the wall? They have this big wall with all these little plaques on them. And they have people's names on them that have given uh, specifically for that project kind of thing. And some are a bronze giver. Some are a silver giver. Some are a presidential giver. Some are a platinum giver. I mean, they just keep dreaming up names. And, and the whole concept is the farther you go down the wall, the more that they've given, the better person they are. They're better than the other ones. See, that's the world's system. It ties it to, to, to the way that you are good is tied to something on the outside. We, the church, need to leave no doubt. Now, when I say those words, leave no doubt, okay, I got to tell you a story. Leave no doubt. There was a movie that got, came out a while ago called Remember the Titans. How many of have you seen that? Is it kind of a football movie? Okay, football movie. In that movie, I'm going to describe a scene. In that movie, um, there's a head coach that's brought in. He, he, like the assistant coach probably should have been head coach or was kind of hoping to be, but they brought a head coach in and he was kind of upset about that for at the start. But then he realized that, wait a minute, the guy that they brought in was the guy that they should bring in for that to happen. But then tables turned and the tables turned and, and, and the, the people that actually brought the head coach in now want to get rid of him. They want to get rid of him. And so the way to get rid of him is for him to fail at a game. And if he fails at a game, then we can oust him out, and then the other guy can take his place kind of thing. And so while this is happening in a game, the, the, not only are the leaders uh, uh, who hired him in on this, but they've gotten the referees in on this. And so the referees are starting to call penalties that are not penalties. And the assistant coach, who's the defensive coach, he realizes this. And his, there's a scene where his daughter is up in the stands and she's just yelling, that's not a penalty. And he's got to make a decision. Like, what's he going to do? And so he calls time. And he walks out onto the field and he goes to the head ref, Cletus. And he says, Cletus, I know what you're doing. And, and, and it's not right. And I'll go to the papers. I'll go to wherever it is. And, and I'll, I'll expose this, what you're doing. And basically the head ref said, hey, you can, you know, you just, you make your own bed. 
you know, kind of thing. Just kind of blew him off. So he came back to the sideline. He's defensive coach, so he pulls the defense in. He gets the defense all around him, and he says to the boys, he says, he says, not another yard. They, ne- they are not going to advance that ball another yard. I want them to remember the night they played the Titans. And then he says one more thing. He says to them and also to the head coach, he says, leave no doubt. And he goes to the head coach, he says, leave no doubt. Now, what do I, how do I tie that in? We as the church need to leave no doubt that there is salvation in only Jesus Christ. There is not salvation in anything that you do. There is not salvation in anything that you give. The only salvation that we have is through the gift of Jesus Christ, that God sent his only son to die on a cross for our sins. That is the only way of salvation. And we leave no doubt that what we are following, we're marching to the drum of a, a different drummer. We are. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Two more stories, and I'm done. So one Sunday I was preaching on um, giving and stewardship in a church. And um, and I, I wanted to use a, 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 a bill to as an illustration. So I said to the congregation, I said, anybody got a $100 bill? <laughs> and nobody had one. Yeah. I, a 50. Anybody got 50? Nobody had one. I said, a 20. <laughs> you see, I had no money. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm fishing. And there was, a, there was a single guy in the back who had a tw- He said, I got a 20. I said, can you bring that up here? I want to use it as an illustration. He comes up, and he gives me the $20 bill, and he goes back and sets back down. I'm using it and talking about it and everything. And when I get done talking about it, I fold it out and put it in my pocket. Yeah. See, you never see what Stephanie, when Stephanie's setting up here, man, I tell you, about the evil eye. Whoa. What are you doing? I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give it back. You know, I just don't want to fl- lose the flow of the sermon kind of thing. So I kept talking and talking. Got to the end of the sermon, got to the end of the service, and I said, I need you to trust me. I got a call this morning. I checked it out. I got a call this morning. There's, there's a family in our church that is in desperate need right now of finances, right now. And I said, um, we're going to have the ushers come back forward, and we're going to pass the plates again. If you've got anything in your pockets, put it in the plate, because they need our help right now, right now. And so I pulled $20 out of my pocket. This is when Stephanie almost coming out of the chair now. But I, and I looked back at him. I said, what do you want me to do? Boy, you talk about pressure. What do you want me to do? He, a little pause. And then he said, put it in the plate. So I said, okay. So that was the first money that was in the plates before they, before they went. Kind of thing. The back story. The back story. Afterwards, uh, during the week, uh, that young man came up to me and he said, I need to tell you, <laughs> he said, that was my last 20. He said, um, you, know, I, you know, he said, I had Burger King all written all over that. I was going to Burger King. I, was, I could taste the Whopper already kind of thing. But he said, this is what it did. He said, I've got food in my refrigerator. He said, I've got gas in my car. I've got a job. I'll get paid on Friday. And so all through the week, because I gave that, you know, I, I, I'd walk by the pop machine because I didn't have any money 
or the pot machine or the candy machine or things like that. I had to think ahead of time of how I would prepare for my whole day because I gave my last 20. And then he said to me, thank you. He said, thank you so much for doing that. I needed that. I needed to, again, rely on God and change my whole week because of it for him. Last one, last ditch trip to mail. Oh, another time. There was a family in our church that had four kids, four kids in the house. He had uh, Crohn's and, or uh, something intestinal that was ongoing all the time. Had gotten to the point where he, was, he couldn't get out of bed. Um, probably exhausted everything in our area. And the last ditch effort was to go to Mayo. On that Sunday morning, um, it was the worst it's ever been. After the service, I pulled the leadership team together, pulled him off into a side room, and I brought the wife in. And I said, can you describe what's happening with your husband right now? And so she described it. And I said to the leadership team, what are we going to do? And they said, well, we just took up an offering. And so we brought the offering in on the table, and we dumped all the offering out on the table, and we separated out the checks, and we took all the cash and all the coin. We stuck it in an envelope, and we said, go. And we had, a, we had a, another guy that followed her, filled up her van. Her mother was in town so she could watch over the kids. I knew somebody in Rochester where she could stay the night that was there. But we, we just put it in her hand said, go, get there. She put a mattress in the back of her van, put her husband in the van, and drove all the way to Mayo to get the help that he needed. You know, talk about protocol to the wind. Yeah. Let me tie this one more time back to the scripture. There, Jesus says this in his Sermon on the Mount. There's a huge warning. And you, you'll probably know that no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know that one. You know that one, don't you? And, and why does he make such a big point about Because we are still dealing with that today. It is easy for us as churches to make God our money, or money our God. It's, it's very easy to do that because it's happened all through time. Aaron, come on up. Um, Jesus is uh, speaking to the 5,000 plus, And he says, um, we need to feed them. You feed them. And they go, what? <laughs> what? And Philip even says to him, you know how much that would cost? It's your You know, and he's got, got it all figured out and everything else. And, and we don't have that much money. There's no way this could happen. And then Jesus says back, of course, this is my revised version. Jesus says back, what do you got? What do you got? And these five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. I'm not going to help me. Five loaves and two And it's not going to be. That's what complaining sounds like, okay? Just so you know. And, and Jesus finally just says, bring it here. Bring it here. Bring it here. Set the people down. Set the people down. Now watch. Now watch. And what do they do? They pick up 12 baskets full after it. Yeah. 
when we make money our God. Now, God can do anything he wants to do at any time he wants to do it because he's God. But I think there are many times that we don't experience it, we don't see it, because God, money has become our God. And so we, we need to keep him in his rightful place when we talk about all the things he, have get, he has given to us. And I, I'm so thankful I can tell you those stories. Those are true stories. Uh, you know, those are, I lived through those. To see a group of people who, you know, did the church survive? Did they make it to the next Sunday? They were going to take an offering. Yeah, they did. They could have probably used their email communication and the mug of their pastor to get back on the video and say, hey, you know. No, we have so much. We have so much. Beware of the world system. But be aware. Be aware of those that are around us that are in need. And those that are around us in need are really the ones who are trusting God the most for what's coming next. Let's stand. Close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Uh, always going through the gospel. It's so challenging. You. You, you bring things right in front of us that we have to deal with at times and we have to question ourselves and say, uh, Lord, have I, have, I, have I drifted over? Have I, do, I, I, do I need a reset here, Lord? Lord, am I, am I so tied into the world system that I, I, I'm attracted to the, to the whoosh of the world system? And I'm not aware of the tink-tink of, of true faith. So God, challenge us. Challenge us, Lord. May we see the greatness of God. The greatness of God and what he can do. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Let's remain standing for a moment here. Um, I just want to thank everyone for joining us today. Um, if you're here just checking this out, um, you're so welcome. Thank you for, for joining us. Please stick around for a few minutes. Um, we're, going to be, we're going to be out there. If anyone has uh, questions, conversations you want to have about the lobby rehab, there'll be folks in the, the library back there, elders, deacons, uh, to talk more about that. Um, and for you folks who, um, like me, were incredibly challenged this morning, who've claimed Christ for a long time, and we're asking the question, are we, are we the widow? <laughs> um, do we believe that? Do we believe that we're going to see Christ face to face? That Jesus Christ, who, who was looking at all these people pouring all this money and then looked to the widow and was like, that's faith right there. Is that what we want? And, and it's, it's a thing we have to ask ourselves when we're having conversations about a lobby, a building or our personal finances, right? Um, these things need to be put in perspective. This world is passing away. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for challenging us to let go of the things of this world and put them in their proper place. 
I pray that this would stick with us, that it would come back to our minds as we're, as we're faced with the challenges of this week. I pray all this in your good name, Lord Jesus. Amen.